Lift every voice and sing Till earth and heaven ring Ring with the harmonies of liberty Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies let it resound loud as a rolling sea. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the presence has brought us. Facing the rising sun of our new day begun, let us march on till victory is won. First of all, thank you, Jesus, for this yet another opportunity to do something right. Next, I want to welcome you all to the Nine Point Podcast. I'm your host, BH. Our family podcast receives its inspiration from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. It speaks of nine fruits of God's spirit, which we feel is a message about having godly attitudes as we live. The scripture reads, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Today's show will have two segments, and the theme that we're going to talk about in both segments is the concept of shame. Uh, The first time, it'll just be, I'll talk a little bit, uh, process what shame means uh, in my eyes, um, and just kind of give you some, some, um, I guess, share a little bit about my personal experiences with shame and give a couple of operational definitions. So hopefully you can uh, be equipped to uh, collaborate with each other and make sure that you're not as impacted as I had had been at different times in my life and still to to this day to a certain degree. Um, So I wanted to talk a little bit about shame. And in the second segment, I'm going to talk with our kids about shame, ask them what they think about it, um, how it relates to their life, and then just processing it with them as as their dad. Um, so, but before we go on the show, <clears throat> allow me to also take this opportunity to remind you that I've got a new book out. Uh, the novel is called Lord's Shelter, and it chronicles the journey of a Christian family on a very unique Christmas day. While every character and every storyline story are 100% fictional, I named the majority of the characters after loved ones who have passed away. It's my way of giving honor to their memories and sharing a story that hopefully inspires and comforts people much like these people did for me while they were alive. I would say that um, it's available on you know a lot of different places. Um, it's available on Amazon. It's available at Barnes and Nobles. Um, but I would recommend, especially if you're thinking about downloading it, it, the Kindle edition, I would encourage you to go to Book Baby Bookshop and um, and check that that um, I check that version out um, because on the Book Baby Bookshop, it'll tell you about 
the description of the book, the overview and about the author. Um, they also do that on the Amazon site and the Barnes and Noble site, but it's not, it doesn't sound as good to be quite honest as it does on the book baby site, book baby site. And since there was not an introduction in the actual book itself, um, I've gotten a little feedback um, saying that, man, it would have been a lot more helpful if you had have had like an introduction when that book, you know, when that book uh, on the digital version, um, because if I didn't know any better, it would, be, would have been kind of hard to understand. Uh, well, it would have given more context to what the book was about. So, you know, the websites for the e-version it's relying on, you know, reading the overview and the description um, on the website. Again, I would recommend Book Baby Bookshop, but it's also available on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles and several others. It's available in um, ebook form and it's also available in paperback. And I hope that you will consider checking it out. Um, I really I really did put a lot into it and and I really hope that you get more out of it than what I put into it. So now that I've got that plug out of the way, I want to talk to you about this concept that's really important, something that we all are familiar with for one reason or another, and that concept is shame. Um, we live in a time where a lot of times people will kind of throw around different terms interchangeably, and people will say that shame and regret and guilt are kind of all the same thing. And, and I would caution you. And uh, first of all, I would just disagree. I would say that while all three of those shame, um, guilt, regret, while all three of those things might hold us back, they do it. They hold us back in different ways. They impact us in different ways. So I just kind of wanted to talk operationally about the difference between regret and shame. Because for me, regret seems more like a mental note. And shame is more like an indictment, like a, an indictment against ourselves. And, and shame can impact our, our identity, how we see ourselves, how we interpret feedback from others. Um, so regret is, to me, it's more cognitive. And, it, and it's definitely impactful. Shame is more emotional or spiritual. I would say emotional and spiritual. I know there might be people out there in the audience that don't like to talk about spirituality. So just leave it at emotional. Uh, shame impacts us more emotionally, in my opinion, at least operationally speaking, um, in terms of the ways that we're going to talk about it today. Um, regret more. May, uh, note that I put regret may be more cognitive while shame is more emotional, there's a difference. Um, I'll give you an example, give you a couple of I statements, you know, a um, couple of examples of shame versus regret in my life, because I don't like to just spend a lot of time talking about they and what you all might do. Uh, I'm going to own it. I'm going to own my experiences with those and then go into kind of more general things that might apply to you. I would say one thing I regret is I regret not going up and talking to my coach a couple of months ago. Um, I was, you know, he, he, I saw him at the Walmart in Middletown 
and you know, I saw him and he was, <clears throat> he was busy and I was busy and it wasn't like I had anything that, that I had to, you know, I, I didn't need anything from him. And it wasn't like I had a whole lot that I absolutely needed to get off my chest. But I assume that since he was there and he was, you know, looking to do other stuff and I was too, it wouldn't be no big deal. I just leave it alone. Well, when I went, when I went to Walmart on middle in Middletown about a week ago, I saw his picture in the front where the greeters are and come to find out he had passed away. I regret not going up and talking to that man and just saying, Hey, how you doing? Um, good to see you again. Haven't seen you in a long time. I respect you. Uh, you're a good dude. And then just going about my business. I regret not doing that uh, because I took the op- I took that opportunity for granted. I assumed that I would see him again and he might not be as busy or I might not be as busy and I could have that conversation at any time. Yet tomorrow's not promised to any of us. And as a result, you know, I found out, I found out in a very unexpected way that that man passed out, that that, that man passed away. Um, and, and I really regretted that. Shame. I feel ashamed about how badly I used to talk to my girlfriend before she became my wife. I feel ashamed about some of the things that I used to say around her, some of the things that I said to her and I can say that I can share with you some of the poison that I was drinking off of or smoking off of or whatever you want to call it um, that justified my behavior at that time. You know, and of course, at that time, this was before I went off to college and um, and joined a fraternity and found out about excuses. But I'll tell you a little bit about the poison that I listened to. And and tell you more about how I'm looking at life now. And when I look back at that, I feel ashamed about what I used to say, what some of the things I used to do around her. Um, And I feel ashamed. But the poison that I had in my mind that I was acting on was it seems like when I'm nice. This person takes it as weakness. But when I stop caring, it seems like they care more. It seems like the more aggressive I am when it comes to speaking up for myself, then they are not as selfish or they're not as mean towards me. That was what I used to tell myself. Now, I will say when we met, we were both 15 years old. We were the same age as our twins, basically, when we first met. So I understand now that, you know, the the forebrain isn't developed when you're a teenager. Um, The forebrain is still growing and the forebrain is where uh, executive functioning is is uh, is a big part of of the forebrain. Um, And just the brains of adolescents is not the same as the brains of, of adults. And. You know, as a result, I was a typical teenager. I was typical. I was very selfish. I was very um, impulsive. 
and I said and did things to my girlfriend that I absolutely would not tolerate somebody saying or doing with my children. I, and I'm, I'm just being honest. Now, I'm ashamed because I know that even at that time, I told myself I was a good dude. I felt like I was a really good person and I felt like I was giving this person, giving my girlfriend my best. But looking back at it now and knowing that I was a Christian, knowing that I believed in God and I was telling myself that, well, I'll do better. I know that I can do better, but I kept on doing those mean spirited things. I'm ashamed because I don't know how much of that stuff impacts the woman that she is today. My wife is strong. My wife is beautiful. My wife is as uh, right now she's in, in class. She's been a straight A student after having kids <laughs> and taking on management responsibilities at her job. She's a straight A student right now. Um, emotionally, um, mentally, I, I have a lot of respect for her. I love her and um, I admire her. But if I had not been so selfish and mean on so many occasions, I wonder, I wonder how much better her life will be. I wonder how much, you know, conversely or, or to go along with that, how much better our lives would be as husband and wife, as a father and mother to our kids. So shame is, is something that I can't go back and change, but I, rem, I understand that it was something it's I'm responsible for it. I can't take it back and it's had a negative impact on others. Okay. So there's a difference between regret and shame. Shame is stronger. It lasts a little bit longer. Um, in my opinion, or at least today, we're going to consider the possibility that shame is more uh, has a longer impact than regret. Um, some more general stuff. Um, a person might regret driving to the store without having a face mask. Then that same person might feel ashamed about the way that they talk to somebody at the front, like the greeter trying to do their job, trying to tell them that you can't come in here without a mask. Um, I know that you guys have uh, been able to view the Internet and see how people go off about wearing masks and and um, and do all kinds of crazy things. You know, it's 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 weird because, you know, shame distorts our our purpose, our, our sense of reality. You know, these same people that these same people that um, want to. Um, overrule the the rules that are laid out by governors are the same people that say they want law and order for everybody else. The same people that say you obey the law, you do what you're supposed to, um, you and and most things will go okay. A lot of these same people won't do it when it costs them money short term. Or if it requires them to 
abide by somebody else's wishes that they don't have a strong relationship with for one reason or another. I know, I, I know that this might sound partisan. I know that it does. And please forgive me for taking for my personality coming out in this comment. But I'm just the bigger picture is shame makes us it's it's kind of like shame is kind of like the fertilizer for excuses. And we can um, we can be really, really upset about what somebody else is doing and completely blind to when we do it. Okay, another example, um, I might regret I, I regret I regret person. This is going back to me personally. I regret taking 12 units um, my first semester of college at Alabama A&M. I did it because I was the only person from Louisville heading down there. I, well, I didn't know anybody from Louisville until I got there. And then when I got there, I met some people that were also also from Louisville. Um, but I was it was my first time going away from home. I wanted to make sure that I could handle it. And um, I was on the dean's list both semesters. I handled it. Um, I learned a lot more about life uh, than I did about, um, you know, academics that first year. Not because the academics were were not that not that important, but because I was at Alabama A&M when the Rodney King stuff popped off. I was at Alabama A&M at a very critical time in this in this, uh, you know, in this country's history. Uh, so there were a lot of social things that I learned. But as a result of only having 12 units or 12 hours, my first semester, I had 15 the second semester. So I had 27 hours, which meant that when I came back in the fall, I didn't qualify for any academic scholarships. I was still technically a freshman and I didn't have enough money. I didn't have enough money to come out of pocket uh, to pay for a semester. And because of another a number of things that were happening in my family, I didn't have the didn't have the financial support uh, from my family to uh, to pay for that semester. And as a result, I ended up missing a year and a half of college before I was accepted into Kentucky State University. And I went ahead and went to K-State, graduated. But I say all that to say I regret only taking that 12 hours my first semester at Alabama A&M. If I'd have taken 15 and then turned around and took another 15 hours the next semester, my life would be very different. I would not have come back to Louisville. I probably would have graduated from Alabama A&M. And I don't even know if I would have taken the major that I, that I ended up taking. Um, my life would be different if I had graduated from the Hill. I know this. Now, I don't I don't have shame. I'm not ashamed, but I have regret that I didn't give myself the best chance to succeed. Now, something that I do feel shamed about. I flunked the seventh grade. I feel shame about that to this day. To this day, I feel ashamed by not being able to meet the demands put upon me in the seventh grade the first time around. Because of that, I wasn't able to graduate in the class of 1990. I graduated in the class of 91. 
And while that might not mean something to other people, it means a lot to me. It means a whole lot to me. I met friends. I have friends. I grew, I continue to grow up and I have good relationships. But in my heart, there's a, there's a group that I grew up with. And in my mind, they left me behind. They moved on. I wasn't able to keep up with that standard. And to this day, I feel shame about that. I feel shame. So there's a difference. There's a difference between regret and shame. Regret is more mental. Shame is something that can distort how you see yourself, how you accept, um, how you accept criticism, how you accept um, instructions, how you accept compliments down the road. Because if you feel shame, you might go looking in so many different directions to get that fulfillment that only God can give you. So there's a big difference. And I think the shame is, like I say, the not only the fertilizer for excuses, but it's also that kind of like a, a wedge that keeps the door open for evil to keep on coming into your life, for distractions to keep coming into your life, because you don't want to have you don't want to have a shame, a shameful identity. You want you don't want to have shame in your heart. Um, shame opens the door for fear and desperation. Shame transforms logic. Okay, I said something about that. I said something about that earlier. And then also, I remember I remember something Jesus said something about being ashamed of me. And I went back and I found it. It's in Luke chapter 9 verses verse 26. I would encourage you to read Luke chapter 9 verses 22 through 27 so that you can look at it in, in the full context. But Luke chapter 9 verse 26 says, Whomever is ashamed of me and my words, the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the father and of the holy angels. If you Jesus spoke about shame, if you are ashamed of truth, gentleness, authority, self-control, selflessness, compassion, respect. If you are ashamed to do those things when you are walking in life, when you are with the people you love, there's a consequence to that. Again, I'm not going to tell you what that verse means to me specifically, because what God put on my heart might not be the same that he put on for you. But I can tell you that going back to the the what I confessed <clears throat> about the, the way that some of the things that I said and did when I was younger, um, when, when my wife and I were together, um, I wasn't gentle when I needed to be gentle. I didn't have self-control when I needed to have self-control. I didn't persevere and do the right thing for the purpose of doing the right thing. I was more concerned about 
not getting um not getting mistreated myself and defending myself. That's what I told myself. But now being married 20 years, having three intelligent and strong-willed children, I understand that it is not worth getting my way if I'm going to risk tarnishing them. If I put them in harm's way, then no matter how I want to claim it, I'm not putting God first. I'm putting my pride first. I'm putting my vulnerability first. And I'm not persevering with the kind of spirit, with the kind of forgiveness that that I want from God. So if I can't do that for the people that I love the most, then even when others are trying, when I have other opportunities for kindness and goodness in my life, I don't know how to handle it. That is one of the consequences of not being serious about trying to understand who we are based on how God sees us. And which brings me to the last point I wanted to make. Um, I think that there's at least four steps to overcoming shame. You know, the thing about shame, you can't just you can't just do something once or twice and think that it's that you're done. Um, Overcoming shame once or twice spaced out for too long. It just feels like every time you run into a situation, um, you got to start all over from scratch. You got to build momentum. You have to build momentum. And when you build the momentum, then you give your brain the opportunity to catch up. It's like riding a bike. And not only do you get tired of the physical pain of scraping up your knee, you just have the shame of everybody else has this sense of balance. They know how to do it. There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. Or I don't know if I'll ever get it. Once you learn how to ride a bike and you understand when you feel it for yourself and you feel that sense of balance and what you have to do for it, you remember in the back of your mind those failures, but you also kind of like have muscle memory. And it's a lot easier to get on that bike or any bike moving forward and keep that balance. But you have to build momentum for at least Four steps of overcoming shame. Number one, acknowledge that you can change. You are more than that memory that you would like to get over. Number two, learn to forgive other people as readily as you can forgive a toddler. Toddlers see, I see it. Hmm, I want that. No, baby, you shouldn't have that. Mm, No, but I really do. I really want it. No. Pick them up, turn them in another direction. Ah, They'll cry. They'll whine because they really want it. You don't take it personal when a toddler just wants what they want when they want it. You, if you love that child, and if you're not under, and if you're not under the influence, you go to them and you keep on protecting them, even if they don't like what you're doing. We need to learn how to forgive each other with that same kind of mentality because we all fall short of the glory of God. 
I don't care how much better my life. I can confess no matter how much better my life is now than it was 20, 25 years ago. I still make mistakes. I still have mistakes in my attitude. Um, And my attitude leads to um, sideways comments from time to time. It leads to not the best choices uh, from time to time. So no matter where you are in life, we need to be able to forgive other people. If you can forgive other people, then it helps you to ultimately learn how to forgive yourself and realize that you are more than your own failure. But you can't really forgive yourself. At least, I mean, I don't know. I, I'll just tell you for me personally, making another I statement. I learned how to accept my failures. I learned how to accept my fail in the seventh grade and take my medicine now from my slick mouth kids and my very strong willed and sharp tongued wife. I can take that now because I know just that there's no party in the temporary satisfaction of treating somebody the wrong way and thinking that you get away with it. I can forgive them. And that helps me to understand and remember just how I'm not too far away from being able to act that way myself. Might not do exactly what they do. But I'm pretty close. And and the other stuff that I do isn't isn't innocent either. I'm always an act in motion. I'm always uh, trying to do better. So I need to recognize that my neighbor, that my wife, that my children, that my cousins, that my coworkers, they're doing the best that they can too. number three. We need to praise until it comes from your heart. When you talk to him, we, I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a standard prayer or having singing standard songs or giving a standard praise report. But you, if you walk, if you are, if you've been touched on the shoulder by God, you know, when it's getting, when you feel it, you know, when you're talking to him and when it feels like you're talking to a friend. You know, you know what that feels like when that prayer becomes more than just words. There's something that happens. It, it, it goes from rote memory to spontaneous truth. And you just sharing with the greatest friend that you could ever have. When we praise until it comes from our heart. That helps us to recognize and embrace our true identity and to step into the responsibilities and opportunities that come with that that identity. And fourth, fourth thing that helps to overcome shame, learn how to be fed. I alluded to it a little bit earlier. People can do people can shower you with gifts. People can say, I'm so pleased with you. I'm so impressed with you. People can say that thing that. Um, I don't, I don't, people can say all sorts of things to encourage me. 
but it's only God that makes it possible for me to take it in healthy. See, if somebody, if enough people praise me and I don't have a, have a spirit and an attitude that likes to forgive other people, then those compliments will go to my head and I become a monster. But if I have a true, a humble spirit, a spirit that is ready to forgive quicker than I am to seek praise and approval, then God helps me to accept the good things that he wants me to know about myself. It helps. That's what I mean by learn how to be fed. I spent a lot of times around people and there's been there have been some dark days in my life where people can can get support from others, but never feel like they worth it. Never know how to accept a compliment, never know how to accept truthful recognition. And they're like, yeah, yeah, no, thank you. And then they're on to the next to the next problem or on to uh, trying to ask themselves another question that only God has the answer to. So in summary, four things in my life experiences that help to offset shame. Number one, acknowledge that you can change. You're more than the memory of that, that mistake. Number two, learn to forgive other people as readily as you can forgive a toddler. Three, praise him until it comes from your heart and not just words. And four, learn how to be fed. So I did not know how long this was going to go. I wrote some bullet points, but since I had so many I statements that I wanted to share, um, it ended up going a little bit longer. And hopefully it's some. Uh, hopefully this is beneficial to you all. Um, I know it was I know it was beneficial for me because um, I, I, I know how powerful shame is. Shame and guilt and regret. If you understand that they're different and they impact us differently, and then you go to God so that he can give you the discernment and the courage that you need um, to move forward to him, um, then that gives you another opportunity to speak to him genuinely, heart to heart. So thank you for tuning into this first segment. Like I said, the next segment will be Z time. I'll be bringing the kids in and I got I got commitments from at least two of them. Um, and when I come back, you'll know if all three are jumping in or if it's just two of us. Be right back to the Nine Point Podcast, segment two, which is Z time coming up next. Stony the road we chart, bitter the chasing rock, built in the day when hope unborn had died. Yet with a steady beat, have not our weary feet come to the place for which our fathers died. We have come over a way that with tears have been watered. We have come treading our path through the blood of the slaughter.
the gloomy past till now we stand at last where the white gleam of our bright star is cast all right welcome back welcome back to segment two of today's podcast on shame i'm your host bh and i'm here joined by king and twin all right my sons and we're going to continue this conversation this time i want to it's going to be more about trying to hear their perspective of this concept called shame and just leading a discussion about it i don't have any preconceived ideas about anything i really really want to ask them or anything i really want to um jump down their throat except for keeping their feet off my pillow um but Let's go. Um, when I say shame, when I say shame, what do you? What comes to mind, King? Deep regret for something, and it's not just like you feel bad and then let go of it. It lingers. Okay. And when I when I say shame, what comes to mind for you, twin? Nice socks, by the way. Thank you. Um, whenever. Whenever I think of shame, I think of overwhelming, overwhelming guilt. Okay. Do you guys think that there's a difference between shame and guilt? It feels it feels like the same thing. Well, there's a connection, but I don't really know. What do you think, twin? I don't really know if there is a difference or if there's not a difference. You guys, do you guys think that shame is something that a person can get over? Yes. All right. These questions, these open-ended, let's take it, make this an open-ended question. Do you think shame is something that a person can get over? Why or why not? If you're, if you put your mind if you put your mind onto it all the time or if you let it bother you, then it's something that will be very difficult, if not impossible, to get rid of. However, if you choose, if you pray to God about it and confess what, why you feel so much shame and, and do your best to not do whatever caused the shame again and... You just place your faith on God, then I think it could be overcome. All right, twin, same question to you. Do you think that shame is something that can be overcome? Why or why not? I think if you if you don't think if you don't think about your shame too much and I think if you don't think about it too much, you can get over it pretty quickly. Well, not pretty quickly, but not like a really long time. You know, there was a a point that I made in the first segment that you guys weren't in here for. I was talking about getting over shame isn't like passing a test. It's not like passing a test. When you feel ashamed about something, the only way to really 
learn from it is to actually you have to build momentum. And I use the example of um, I was about to call you something that started with a T. But King, do you remember when the twins were learning how to walk? Do you remember those days? I actually do remember those days. Okay. Now, you can remember. I can remember, too, but I'm glad you can remember. Um, do you remember it? I think one of them was able to crawl better than the other one, but then the other one was able to walk first. Was that true, or were they walking at around the same time? I don't know, though. I can remember, but I can't remember too specifically. I'd say they were both um crawling, walking at the same pace. Okay. Now, when they when the twins were learning how to walk, you saw that they tried and they tried. And, you know, they would fall down, but they would get back up, right? That is correct. Okay. Now, what did you think when you saw them trying to walk? I didn't think I didn't think I thought about anything. I think if the I don't really know it's been such a long time. I th- I think I thought why are they trying to walk like me? But you know, I was too busy being a kid at those times. Okay. So, one thing I noticed when they were learning to walk and like pulling themselves up on furniture they would fall down or like there would be some times where they would take maybe a couple of steps and then they would kind of like freeze and they're like, okay, I'm doing something, but I think I need to go ahead and sit down and then I'll crawl over. Do you remember some of those times? Sit down and then crawl over. Like they would, it would be times where they would be holding, holding furniture and then they take like two or three steps and then they'd stop. And then when they would stop, it would seem like they were trying to make up their mind. Do I need do I want to keep on trying to walk or maybe I should just sit down here on the ground so I don't fall? Do you remember seeing any of that? Because I you don't No. because I do. I saw I, I saw that it was it was pretty cool because I knew what they were thinking. They were thinking, I'm happy to be where I am. I know I have a little bit further to go. But it might be simpler if I just got down here on the ground and scooted. Well, the reason I brought up them learning how to walk was they saw us doing something and they wanted to do it. That's what it boiled down to. They knew that we were really, really happy when they tried. And they also knew that for whatever reason, they couldn't get it together. So it took a whole lot of weeks, consecutive weeks, where they would try and go a little bit further and a little bit further, and then they were finally able to walk. You remember though? Do you remember that? Vaguely. Well, the thing about shame is shame, when we feel shame, when shame is influencing us, it reminds us of the worst of us. Shame reminds us of our worst regrets. It reminds us when we were at our weakest and most vulnerable. And it's a it's a tool that our enemy uses to hold us back, because once that situation is is behind us and God wants us to move forward and come towards him. Our enemy tries to remind us of how bad we felt when we made mistakes or how bad we felt when we didn't get where we were trying to go. 
and it's a way to hold us back. And um, it's really, really important that you know who you are, know how God sees you, not how your friends tell you, not how society says this is okay, and um, don't worry about what the Bible says. When you know that God is pleased with what you're doing and why you're doing it, that goes a long way towards offsetting shame. Um, do e- do either of you want to ask a question? Ask ask me anything about um, about overcoming shame, or have you seen shame and depression? Shame, well, shame is kind of like contributes to depression. Can impact somebody that you care about without mentioning any names, any, any, anything come to mind? I don't think, I don't think, I don't think so. Uh, could you um, elaborate a little more to give me an idea about what I could say? Oh, I got, okay. I just thought of something else. Would you know if somebody was trying to shame you into doing something twin? Yes. Okay. So what I mean by that is I know what I mean by that. You share with us what do you think it means when somebody's trying to shame you into doing something? They try to make you feel bad about not doing something that they want you to do. Okay. Twin, I mean, uh, King, how do you think you would feel if you saw somebody shaming your sister or shame trying to trying to manipulate your brother or sister into doing something they don't have anything that they don't have any business doing, but they were pulling on their heartstrings and trying to make them feel ashamed. Like they need to just give in. How would that make you feel? I would not be happy of that. And I'll make sure they'll learn not to do something like that to them. Well, how do you, let me ask either of you strong young men, how do you think you would respond if your sister, since she's not here right now, I wish she was in here. If your sister was, uh, if your sister was about to go somewhere that she didn't have any business doing because of peer pressure and, and we weren't here to stop her, but you know that she's thinking in her head, I'm going to do it anyway. But the only reason she's doing it is peer pressure. How does it, how do you think you would respond if, your words just didn't sink in. You know that you're trying to tell her something for her own good, but she's just going to do what she wants to do anyway. How would you respond to that? I've warned you, but if you really feel like you can handle whatever you're going to put yourself into, I'll let I'll let you go, but you've been warned. Because truly, if I know that I can't stop her, I can't. I'll I'll still pray that she changes her mind. I like that answer, King. How about you, twin? If you saw King, if King was doing something and you knew that he was going to regret it, and maybe it was something that that I told him he needed to stop doing, maybe it's something you heard your mom tell him he needed to stop doing, but he just keeps on and keeps on. How do you think you would respond if you tried to help him and he kept on doing it his way? How do you think you would feel and what do you think you would do? 
I mean, I wouldn't feel happy at all, for sure. And if he continued his ways, I would just walk away and say, suit yourself. Because if someone's not going to accept my help, then there's no use in continuing to try. Well, I definitely appreciate you guys being <clears throat> being open and honest today. Uh, I just thought that it's real important to hear your perspectives on shame. There's um, so much sadness and desperation um, and so many people that are doing things because they're desperate. Um, so many things that are happening nowadays more uh, youth suicide, more uh, youth bringing and using weapons inside of schools, um, things that happened when I was younger, but things that didn't happen as much as they're happening now. And I think that shame plays a really strong role in it. Um, I, I, I don't want you all to feel that you're in a situation that your mom or your dad can't help you with because the truth is even if I can't help you, even if your mom can't help you, the big picture to remember is God comes at you all the time in a lot of different ways. You're going to have friends next year that you don't have today. You're going to have memories that you build with coworkers that you don't have today. And you're going to have satisfaction that you have can't even plan for. So just because you look around and you might not believe that people fully understand what you're going through. The big picture is you can't allow yourself to think nobody, nobody will ever get it or nobody can help me because the only way that you ensure that nobody can help you is when you stop believing that you, that you're, worth listening to that's the only way to guarantee that you're not going to get support and feel appreciated is when you have so much shame and desperation that you put up blinders and you push people away from you so i know i get it i understand that you know, we have a big age difference and you don't see the world the way that I do and you never will. Um, and I get that. But I never want either of you to think that you should stop, that you should stop um, connecting, that you should stop looking for uh, good, mutually rewarding relationships, because there are some times in life we have blind spots. And we might think that we know what's best for us, but sometimes it takes somebody else that's standing close to us to see something that we don't see so that we don't keep on getting tormented by it. It's kind of, have you ever seen somebody like combing their hair or doing something or, and they, and they got something on their shirt or something, hey, you missed a spot and you walk up and take it off. Well, they didn't see it. That's what, that's what, that's what good friends are for. You should allow you should allow yourself to be to have the courage 
to um, to listen to feedback from other people that are not trying to destroy you. Questions or comments? Well, I appreciate what you guys have brought today. I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit after after the show. Um, some stuff I'd like to I'd like to talk about that I wouldn't necessarily want to go into um, on the podcast. But you guys are strong. You guys are fighters. You're intelligent. I'm glad to be your dad. I'm glad that uh, you guys have taught me a lot about life, and I hope that I'm able to. I'm able to able to watch you grow and avoid a lot of the pitfalls that I had. So thanks for stepping up and stepping in. And guys, TJ, ooh, uh, King, do you remember what I usually say at the end of every podcast? Wealth is to be spent, but treasure is to be shared. That's my big boy. Hey, you guys, take care. Thank you for sharing today's podcast. God bless you. Goodbye. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, Thou who has brought us thus far on the way, Thou who has by Thy might led us into the light, Keep us forever in the path we pray. Lest our feet stray from the places, our God, where we met thee. Lest our hearts drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee. Shadow beneath thy hand, may we forever stand. True to our God, true to our native land.